0: He's afraid, but the Lord has let him know you're not going to die. David was humbled by this, his, uh, this confrontation, and he repented of it. He was he had a humble heart and repentant heart. He was it. He just became very honest in, in the sight of God. And now, um, the prophet tells him in verse 14, because by this deed you have given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme the child. Also that is born unto thee shall surely die. And Nathan departed unto his house, and the Lord struck the child that Uriah's wife bare unto David. And it was very sick. David therefore besought God for the child. David fasted and went in and lay all night upon the earth. And The elders of the house arose and went with him to raise him up from the earth, but he would not, neither did he eat bread with them. It came to pass on the seventh day that the child died. The servants of David feared to tell him that the child was dead, for they said, Behold, while the child was yet alive, we spake unto him, and he would not hearken to our voice. How will he then vex himself if we tell him that the child is dead? But when David saw that his servants whispered, he perceived that the child was dead, and therefore David said unto his servants, Is the child dead? And they said, He is dead. Then David arose from the earth, washed and anointed himself, changed his apparel. Came into the house of the Lord, worshiped, and then he came to his own house. And when he required, they set bread before him, and he did eat. And then said his servants unto him, What thing is this that you have done? You did fast and weep for the child while it was yet alive, but when the child was dead, you did rise and eat bread. And he said, While the child was yet alive, I fasted and wept. For I said, Who can tell whether God will be gracious to me that the child may live? But now he is dead. Wherefore should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him, but he shall not return to me. I want to uh, talk to you a few moments on this thought. The afterlife. Moving on from falling and failures. Let's pray for the lesson tonight. Lord, we love you tonight and thank you for your goodness and mercy. Lord, thank you, Lord, that you forgive our past and present failures. And Lord, thank you that you are the one that holds our future in your hand. Lord, tonight let our hearts hear the word of the Lord. Let us be encouraged by it. Lord, let us be inspired to move on and serve you. and Lord, I pray that you'll bless all these things tonight in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise before you're seated. What a great God tonight. We serve a great God. Thank you, Lord. You can be seated. I believe in the afterlife, not just, uh, I, I, not just we're going to spend eternity somewhere. When you hear people talk about the afterlife, that's usually what they're in reference to, the afterlife of uh, where will you spend eternity, life after death, so to speak, so. I believe in that. We'll make a decision here that'll impact where we'll spend eternity. But but I also believe in the afterlife that's here. I believe in the life that I have to live after a tragedy. The life that I have to live after a mistake. The life that I have to live after heartbreak and disappointment and, and all the things, the trials and tests and tribulations that'll be on this earth. I still have to live. Our, our failures, our, our fallings are not meant to be final for us. They're not meant to be forever. But they do happen, and they're real. And in the story here with David, we, we found a great tragedy because, because of the act, the sinful act of David and uh, Bathsheba, there is now one dead. He is dead. David says it. They, they tell him he's dead. David admits he knows it. He said, I understand he's dead. And so there's nothing else I can do. The reality here, while even the tragedy is real, of course, but there's another reality that we have to embrace is that while there is one dead, there is still one who is alive. The reality is, is that David instigated this. This whole thing happened because of him, his desire, his lust for of Bathsheba and he is the one that put this in motion and he is the one that came up with the plan to have Uriah killed. It was David's doing. It was his mistake. It was his mess. And now we have a child that has uh, died because of his sin and his mistake. But the other reality is this, is that David is still alive and he is still the anointed king of Israel. Now, it's hard for us to grasp, but maybe God let us have this example uh, because we needed to see, because to us, <laughs> David, you're out. You uh, had a man killed so you could have his wife and hide what had went on, and now the kid's did. David, you're out. But God wants us to see that no matter how bad this is, that his mercy is still greater. And the, the the thing that will come to us, why, what I mean here is the afterlife moving on from falling and failures, is we've got to decide which reality are we going to embrace. Are we going to embrace the reality of the tragedy and stay there in that tragedy? Or are we going to embrace the reality of God's mercy and God's grace so we can move on? David still got something to do. He's got to be able to move past this great Great sin and failure. And here it is. The reality of your tragic mistake does not void and it is not greater than the reality of God's mercy. You might as well let that rain down on you for a minute. I don't care what it is that you have done and how real it is. It is not greater. It does not void out the reality of God's mercy and grace that God can reach into the deepest, darkest pit of our fears, of our sins, of our failures, of our mistakes, of our tragedy, and bring us out of darkness into his marvelous light. That once we have come to him, and even though we can just really, I mean blow it, and other people don't understand it, they can't understand David's actions, but it doesn't matter, it's not about other people's opinions, what their views on the subject, God has told David, you will not die because of this, but There will be a penalty. We are going to reap what we sow. But that doesn't mean that's the end of us. That doesn't mean it's over for us. And so David decides, uh, you know, you don't have to feel bad to choose to live in the reality of God's grace and mercy. Boy, we're hard on ourselves. You know how I know? Because it's so quiet right now. Because you've done something or something's happened in your life or in your past and you're like, I just can't get over it. I can't forgive it. I can't get past it. And God's saying, and that's your problem. <laughs> it's not mine because I'm ready to forgive you. I'm ready to bless you. I, I'm not stopping you. David, I'm not taking you off the throne. David, I'm not going to stop you from being a mighty man of valor. I'm not going to stop you. He was still a man after God's own heart. And the reason I know he was is because he got humble and he repented. And then he got up and started living because that's what God wanted him to do. Listen. The Lord said in the Old Testament, he said, I'm the Lord, I change not. The New Testament tells us Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't want you to stop. He doesn't want you to quit. He doesn't want you to surrender. He didn't want it then. He don't want it now. And he doesn't want David to stop. That's why the Lord said, he said, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He comes to tear things up in your life and mess it up. He said, but then I come in right behind that so that you can have life and that more abundantly. Now, let me tell you something about this thief and this enemy. Sometimes it's us. (laughs) We wreck our life. We lose what God gave us. We mess things up. We're the ones that, that, that cause destruction and grief and anguish in our own life. And we've got to be able to let God forgive us We've got to say that I can embrace what everybody thinks I should do. His servants are like, what are you doing? This kid was alive and he was sick and had a fever and he's tossing and turning in the bed and you're fasting and praying and calling on God. Now he's dead? You got up and took a bath, anointed yourself, went in the house of the Lord and worshiped. Now you're telling me bring me something to eat? We don't understand how you can just move on because God wants me to just move on. Well, you can, you can make, it's up to us. You can sit there in that misery and self-pity and never do what God called you to do, or you can accept the mercy and grace of God. <laughs> hey, listen, the Lord chastened him. Whom the Lord loves, he chastens. It broke David's heart that this kid had to die. You know, we think, sometimes I think, well, maybe the baby died right after it was born, but we don't know how long this little scenario went on. This kid could have been one or two years old. He was a child. didn't say he was an infant. He said he was a baby. And you think about what David lived with while that child was alive. All the honor, all the accolades, everything that they said about him and stuff, you know, they, they still, David's our king and David's great. David's a mighty man. But David knew the truth. And God knew the truth. And God loved him so much that he sent a man to confront him and tell him, hey, I've seen it. I know there's going to be some correction. There's going to be some chastisement. There's going to, you're going to pay the price, but I'm not going to kill you. You're still the king. I'm not taking you off the throne. But David, what are you going to embrace? Uh, because we just want to quit. We'll just give up. But David chose to live in the reality of God's grace and mercy. God uh, blessed him and let him know, hey, I'm not pleased with what you've done but that doesn't mean I don't still love you. You've got to stop thinking that God quit loving you and that you'll never have his favor again, that his face will never shine on you again, that he's going to always look at you side-eyed because you made a mistake. Yeah. Woo! Uh, he don't do it. I'm telling you. Uh, he don't like that. Hey, hey I'd I, I be like John and say, hey, I write unto you that you sin not but if you sin, you have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. I can't understand people quitting. I can understand feeling shame. I can understand feeling guilt, but I can't understand living in it. I can't believe that I can be filled with his presence, with his spirit, washed in his blood, and then walk around with my head hanging down. Listen, I'm not saying "Ah, everything just rolls off us like water off a duck's back and it don't matter that we got some kind of loophole, Uh, this grace gives us some kind of loophole to just do what we want to do and God don't care. That's not it. But grace will save you from the deepest, darkest hole that you can dig for yourself. It'll get you out of the pit that others dig, but it'll get you out of the pit that you dig. And David dug himself a deep hole. And maybe that's uh, why the writer said in one place, he got me out of the horrible place. He got me out of the miry clay and he put me on a solid rock. He could have left me there, but he didn't. There is a life to be lived after you blow it. Hello. There's a life to live after you make a mistake, after you mess up. There's still a life to live. And that's the reality that David chose. He said, I'm choosing the mercy of the Lord. When he sinned by numbering the people, And the angel, uh, he gave him choices. He said, what do you want to do? want you want pestilence? you want the enemy? Or do you want uh, the angel of the Lord? He said, man, let me fall into the hands of God. (laughs) Because he said, God, who knows what God will do, he can be merciful. He knew that God was merciful. When David repented and was fasting, and uh, he began to pray and God finally stopped the destruction and said, okay, that's enough. It cost some lives. But David knew, if I can always remember to just trust in the mercy of the Lord, God will always do what's good for me. Listen, you don't have to feel guilty for feeling or being forgiven. When you have made the worst mistake and God forgives you, you don't have to be guilty for being forgiven. You don't have to feel shame or feel like you've got to hide because God forgave you. You've got to embrace that God forgave you. If we walk around I know you forgave me, God, but I just, I'm not worthy to lift my hands. That's crazy. Lord, I'm not worthy to go down front and pray for nobody. That's crazy. I'm not worthy to get back up and preach. That's crazy. I'm not worthy to sing or play or witness or or do anything. Lord, I know you forgave me, but now I've just got to be this little old hermit and hide and sit by myself and never fellowship. Nobody loves me. And that's not what God wants. God uh, let David stay on the throne. David, keep ruling my people. Keep leading my people. And you read uh, David's psalm in 51, uh, after all he prays, he says he, he was going to be teaching sinners in, in the congregation. He's going to he say, I'm gonna Tell people about what you did for me, how bad I messed up, how awful it was in my life, but your mercy and grace, you forgave me. And now I still have a life after this tragedy. You know, if we'd have read one more verse, it said that David went in to comfort his wife Bathsheba and she conceived another child. And of course it was Solomon. And it says, and God loved Solomon. You mean God still loves things that David does? Sure he does. Because he loves David. He didn't stop loving him because he messed up. So I'm telling you, don't feel guilty for new things, for new life, for new joy. The Bible says weeping may endure for a night. You know, I think that we believe that that verse is only talking about when we're wronged. That somebody hurt me so I'm weeping or I had a, a hard trial and I'm weeping. But You know, a lot of times we're crying because we messed up. (laughs) A lot of times we're weeping because we blew it. (laughs) But you know, I I said this a few weeks ago, you know what's new every morning? His mercy. He said, so weeping may endure for a night. I may be crying tears of repentance, tears of sorrow, tears of shame, because I knew that I broke God's heart and I let him down. And it's like David said, Lord, against you and you only have I done this evil in your sight It was against you only that I've sinned, but he repented. And we spent nights of tears, of crying, weeping because we made this horrible mistake. But somehow in the morning, there was joy. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. You don't have to feel good for smiling after you made a mistake. You don't have to feel bad for laughing again. You don't have to feel bad for dancing again. You don't have to feel bad for lifting your hands again. You don't have to feel bad for rejoicing in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. The joy of the Lord will still be your strength. But I've seen people that the tragedy was so bad that they felt guilty for feeling joy. I've told several people lately, I said, you don't have to feel guilty for feeling the joy of the Lord. I know what you're going through is awful and it's terrible and it's breaking your heart, but that don't remove the joy that God gave you. And so don't, don't stop that. Don't quench that because that joy is your strength. And somehow God gives us joy in the midst of tragedy. And even when we mess up and, and tear things up and really ruin life, not just our life, but the lives of others. And God will chasten us and correct us that he will not kill us and destroy us. It's still not the Lord's will that any perish, but that all come to repentance. And we can waste our lives over past mistakes and give up because of things we cannot change. Things we can't do anything about. You cannot change the past. You can't do it. So don't let what should have been or could have been destroy what can still be. well I should have been better, yeah, you should have, but you weren't that's all right, repent and move on. I could have made yeah, you could have, but you didn't don't let what you could have done or should have done stop what you can still do. Come on, somebody God's not kicking you out. You're not being expelled from the body because you made a mistake. He wants you to know that my mercy is great. And that's the that's what David embraced. And like Paul said in Romans 5 and 20, he said, where sin abounded. Oh, there was sin was abounding in David's life. Where sin abounded, he said, grace did much more abound. His grace and mercy is more real than any mistake you'll ever make any tragedy you'll ever go through, the grace of God. That, hey, let me tell you, that brings us, hey, it brings us salvation. And I know initial salvation, sure, but it also saves us from ourselves. Because if left to ourselves, we'll cancel out, we'll quit, we'll stop, we'll give up, we'll surrender. We'll walk away. But God don't want you to walk away. You can't change the past. Worrying about things you can't change will frustrate you. It'll depress you. And it'll push you until you quit. But can I tell you something? Quitting won't make it right. Quitting don't fix it. Quitting don't make it better. Now you're just a sad, miserable quitter. You know what? You want know to you know, believe something that God doesn't like? I don't believe he likes quitters. He tells us too much to endure. Don't get weary. They that wait upon the Lord. He, he's letting us know, uh, there's no reason for you to quit. I don't like it when you quit. Because you don't get nothing when you quit. You don't get nothing when you quit. Quitting won't make it right. Quitting won't fix it. We need to embrace this thought process that David had in verse 23 when he said, can I bring him back again when people are trying to judge you because of your past? Hey, man, this kid's dead and you're sitting down at the table. You mean you're gonna eat? You're gonna worship God? He's dead. I'm not. Can I bring him back? No, I can't bring him back, but I can move on. He said, I shall go to him. But as far as his life here, it's over with. I can't change that. Wish I could, tried to, prayed, thought God might turn and forgive me and just let this kid live, but he didn't. So now what do you want me to do? Stay on my face till I die? Fast until I can't walk anymore? What do you want me to do? How about this? How about I just believe that God has mercy that God has grace, that God is my strength, that he's still my strong tower, that I can still trust him, that, hey, how about I just believe that God still loves me and he hasn't taken away my kingship. He hasn't ripped it away from me. I'm still the king and I still want to just do his will. So how about I just move on from this and how about you not bring it up no more? (laughs) Yeah, that's, that's our part. Let's don't bring it up. Boy, you know, you know what they have done. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I do. Maybe I don't. If I don't, don't tell me. And if I do, so what? Is it under the blood? Oh, hey. When I, when I got in the church, there's some things, unfortunately, that like I, said, I wasn't raised in the church and I lived a rough life, so I had some people that didn't want me in the church. It's true. And so they called my pastor. He said, they called me about 17 times one day. He said, telling me all this. And of course, I hated this because they were telling him stuff. that they, It was it, stuff they knew. And they were telling him, you know, he's done this. You know, he's done that. And you know, he's been like this. been like, you know, he's doing all this. Just telling him all this stuff that I had done in my life. He said, finally, he said, I let them talk until they was out of breath. And he said, finally, I told them. Did he do all of that before I baptized him in Jesus' name? And they said, well, yes, sir, he did. Then it's under the blood and I ain't got nothing to do with it. Yeah. Last phone call he got. Listen, he said, all I know is what I see now. He said, I uh, believe it wasn't nobody more sorry about the life I lived than I was, <laughs> that I am. But friend, I I had found something great and I had found something new and I knew that this was the life I wanted to live and so I was worshiping God and I was praising God and that didn't bother me what nobody thought about it. But even after all of that, I've made my mistakes and I've had to say, God, forgive me. That's not what you wanted. That's not the way I should have thought about that that's not the way I should have spoken about that that's, I, I let my, my emotions my anger I, you know, so I, I've had to say God forgive me and guess what he did yeah. I'm going to embrace his mercy yeah. I, I'm, I'm going to I, I believe in the afterlife I believe in being able to live after you fail I believe in being able to live after you fall I believe that you can still live after a great tragedy and mess in your life. I believe that. And and I believe you can just go on and do what you were called and anointed to do because that's what God wants you to do. He wants you to live. Don't waste the grace and mercy that has allowed you to see another day on self-pity, on your past, on other people's opinions, or the lies of the devil. Hello. Don't waste the mercy and grace that's new every morning. The Lord said, my compassions fail not. And the prophet wrote when he was writing those words, he said, this is why we're not consumed. Because mercy. If there was no mercy or grace, then we would just be gone when we messed up. You miss God without mercy and grace, poof, it's over. But his mercy and grace is why we're not consumed. But oh, we're so quick to throw in the towel. You ever heard that old saying, haste makes waste? Well, it's true in in this walk with God too. In Psalm 31 and 22, the psalmist said, For I said in my haste, I am cut off from before your eyes. Just leave this scripture up for a second. I want you to see, this is what... He said, the man that was writing it, I said, I'm cut off from before your eyes because that's the way we think I've messed up so God has just like, cut me off. He said, but nevertheless, you still heard me when I cried unto thee. Do so you think God cut you off? He don't see you no more. We think it's like, oh, God's blocked me on Facebook. I messed up so God blocked me. Uh, He said, listen, my way of thinking is this. I made a mistake. God's done with me. Then he tells us what he really found out about God. But he still heard me when I prayed. He was still listening when I cried. He still heard me when I cried out to him. And that's why I'm trying to get you to see is that, that we've got to embrace the mercy and grace of God because we say, God, we're so quick to just say, I see it, I know, you're done with me, I know it. But Peter said this, 1 Peter 3 and 12, he said, for the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and his ears are open unto their prayers. You don't just... What you may have done, what you did or the mistake you made, it may have been unrighteous, but that doesn't mean you're unrighteous because our righteousness is in our faith in Jesus Christ. That's where we get our righteousness from. And just because I make a mistake, I don't stop believing in the Lord. And because I still have that righteousness, it's still there by faith in him, his eyes, he still sees me, he still hears me, he's still there for me, and he's listening to see is he going to pray? Is he going to repent? Is he going to ask forgiveness? I'm watching him and I'm listening, but I ain't cut him off. I ain't thrown him away. I'm just waiting to see does he really understand what he's got in me? A Savior. Yeah, he's got a Savior, a merciful, loving Savior. God still sees you, he still hears you, just like he did David but haste makes waste there are too many saints of god that have let their lives their giftings their ministries their callings their anointings their voices to go to waste by assuming that their mistake has cut them off from god but the gifts and calling of god are without repentance you're still anointed you may be in a, a place where you need to pray. You may still be in a place where you need. Did David, could David not make any decisions as king until he repented? No. He was still the king, but God was watching. And he said, I love him. I'm not going to send somebody to confront him. Listen, God will let you know when you miss it. And then you make a decision. Are you going to pray? Are you going to say, I'm sorry? Or are you just going to say, it's so awful. God will never forgive me and just close up shop. Sorry, out of business. That ain't what God wants. God wants you to keep doing what he called you to do. It can be bad. Things may die, but we're still alive. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it can be bad, but we're still alive. And nobody wants to mess up bad. I get it. Nobody wants to mess up bad, but sometimes we mess up bad. But that does not mean God is done with us. One of the greatest testimonies and examples is a saint of God that will get up and keep doing what God called him to do. We have limited our testimony. You know the Bible says we're made overcomers by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And we have put our testimony in a box on the altar Dated from the first time we ever prayed. Our testimony is so much more than that first altar experience. It's every time that God forgave you. It's every time you got back up. It's every time you preached again. It's every time you walked in and danced and worshiped. Friend, let me tell you, quit putting your testimony in a little old box that says, I prayed 25 years ago. God has done so much since you come off that altar. God has done so much since you come out of that water. God has done so much since he filled you with the Holy Ghost. There is simply an afterlife to live, a life after falling, a life after failure. We've got to remember that, hey, God still loves me. When you read all these scriptures about mercy and grace in the New Testament, you know, they're in letters to the church. They're not even letters to people out on the street. Their letters to the saints because God does not want his chosen, blood-bought, blood-washed, spirit-filled people to forget that I'm still on your side. And I called you and anointed you, and I want you to make it all the way home. He wants to say, well done, good and faithful servant. There ain't nothing better to do than to get up after you fall. In every situation, you can say, well, this will be the best solution. Well, when you fall, the best solution is not quitting, not laying back. The best solution is to get up. Another scripture that we apply to just the enemy getting us is because it says, "Rejoice not against me, O my enemy. When I fall, I shall arise." I'm going to tell you something about the enemy. He wants you lost. He wants wants you to go to hell. You hear what I'm saying? He wants you in a lake of fire. That's what he wants. He don't want your stuff. You think he attacked Job's stuff because he wanted Job's stuff? He wanted Job to curse God and die. He said, let me do this and he'll curse you. That that was what he was waiting on. So don't get happy when I fall. Because what makes him happy is you stay down. But we always think, well, I failed because he tripped me or there was a stumbling block. Now, sometimes we fall because we do stupid stuff, because we get fleshy and carnal and, and we choose the wrong thing. We get tempted and we give in and we make mistakes and we do things that are unlike God. And that's bad and you shouldn't do it. And if you do, you need to repent and then you need to get up. So we need to remember that the scripture applies to the saint of God that gave in to temptation and did something he should not never done or she shouldn't have never done because the God still saw it. That's, you need to remember. Remember, you don't become unrighteous. So the eyes of the Lord, he sees you. Typing. He sees what you, he sees what, he sees what you listen to. He sees what you watch. He sees where you're at. You can't cut off enough lights where he can't see you. <laughs> Watch out. I'll tell you what, there ain't a patch of woods, a back alley, or a back seat dark enough to hide his eyes. So you better listen to what I'm telling you. But if that's where you found yourself, you need to remember too that God still has mercy. God still has mercy. And God does not want you to fall and God does not want you to fail. But if you do, you have an advocate. You have somebody who shed his blood, somebody that gave his life and there is still life after the mistake. You can't keep living in the mistake. You can't stay, you can't just sweep it under the rug. Let's just act like this never happened because that don't work. David had to be honest with God. God. Against you, Lord, and you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight. He said, I was born and shaped in iniquity. I, I, I was born a sinner. I, I understand it. I get it. He said, but he, people would pray and he said, oh, God, don't cast me away from your presence. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. He said, but create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit within me. And that's what God wants to do. He wants you to have that life and that life that's more Abundantly. So, yes, bad sometimes. Things may die. Things may really fall to pieces. But we're alive. And our sins and failures and fallings were never meant to stay with us. The Lord said in Isaiah, come let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, they can be white as snow. I can get rid of that stuff. He said if we confess our faults, he's faithful to forgive us our trespasses. God will forgive us. That's not meant to stay with us. The blood of Jesus still, not just that one time in the baptistry, the blood of Jesus still cleanses saints from all sin. Oh, If you don't think you've had to have the blood applied more than once, come on, somebody. The blood still cleanses from all sin. Faith in that blood of Jesus, it still cleanses from all sin. There's a writing of Hezekiah in the book of Isaiah 38. I'm trying to watch my time here. In Isaiah 38, verses 17 through 20, Isaiah said, or Hezekiah said, Behold, for peace, I had great bitterness. He's talking to the Lord. He said, but you or thou, Lord, have in love to my soul because he loves me. He delivered it from the pit of corruption for you have cast all my sins behind your back. Just like I threw that hang. Gone. Did it go in the Good. It should have. That would have been perfect, though. (laughs) But then he says, well, now we know the wages of sin is death. So he he mentions in the next verse, he said, for the grave, in other words, God, if you had not intervened, I had nothing to look forward to but the grave. He said, but the grave cannot praise you. Death cannot celebrate you. And they that go down to the pit cannot hope for thy truth. And then he says, the living, the living the living He shall praise you as I do this day. I'm not dead because you loved me and you delivered me and got me away from that pit of corruption. You threw my sins behind the back. You saved me from going out of here. And so I'm alive and I'm going to praise you. I'm alive and I'm going to worship you. I'm alive and I'm going to serve you. He said, the father to the children shall make known thy truth. He said, I'm going to pass this on. I'm going to tell somebody else about it. This is going to be part of our heritage that God is merciful and that God will forgive. And in case you're wondering where God's at in all this, in verse 20, he said, the Lord was ready to save. Ready. Sitting on go just waiting for you to come to him, just waiting for you to find a place at the altar, just waiting for you to come and say, God, have mercy on me. The Lord was ready to save me. I'm gonna tell you, I don't know what you've done or where you're at or maybe what you're dealing with, but I can tell you this, he's ready to save you or me or any of us that have messed up because he'd rather save you than see you quit. He would rather see you live your life Then surrender and give up. He wants you to make it all the way, all the way home. In the book of Hebrews chapter 12, very familiar scriptures. Just as we're getting ready, I'm on my last page here. In Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, very familiar. He said, wherefore seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Witnesses. The witnesses are found in chapter 11 and verse 32 some of them by name and what shall I more say for time would fail me to tell of Gideon of Barak of Samson of Jephthah of David also David David you mean you talking about the same David that uh, had that affair with Bathsheba had that man killed Little baby died because of it, that same David. He finds himself in this great cloud of witnesses. His life was tragic in that sense. It's the one thing, but it says David was perfect in all his ways toward the Lord, except for this incident with Uriah. Other than that, David walked up right before the Lord, and, and so, uh, but God forgave him. I've had mercy. And David's life is an example to us that it's not over when we make those mistakes. The witnesses that are listed there, all the Samson, hey, Delilah, come on. Look at Samson, how he found himself in a place he should never have been. And so we see that uh, these great warriors and heroes of faith were human just like you and I. But they're in, in this book of faith because they didn't lose the faith. They kept the faith. We think I got to keep the faith from the attack of the devil. You got to keep the faith from your own attack. You got to keep the faith when you mess up. You got to keep the faith when you just blow it in this. Your own flesh, it got in the way. And wasn't nobody messing with nobody. It's just you. You, made, you thought about it. You made the decision. You followed through with it. You blew it. Own it, repent of it, and let God forgive you. And then go on and worship God. If anybody says, hey, what are you doing worshiping the Lord? Because I saw you. Yeah, and I'm sorry you did. But me and God got that right. And you know why I'm praising Him now? Because I believe in His mercy. You know why I'm going to praise Him? Because He did forgive me. Because I could have quit. I could have just given up. I could just walk away. But God forgave me. In this passage in Hebrews, it says for us to lay aside the weight and sin. I tell you, the sin for us sometimes is the sin of surrender. Because when we surrender and give up, we have stopped believing that God can have mercy on us. We've we've lost faith in his mercy. And the Bible says if it's not faith, it's sin. So lay aside the sin of surrendering and giving up. Lay aside the weight of of walking away and, and your past. Leave that stuff alone and serve God. Paul wrote to the church in Corinthians. You understand Paul, the Apostle Paul, when he went his name, when they... In the book of Acts, we find him first listed as Saul of Tarsus. And Saul was wreaking havoc, it says, in the church because he was persecuting the church. He stood by and held the coats of the men who stoned Stephen to death and he would take people to jail. He would cause them to blaspheme and recant and he just, he he tormented people. And God didn't kill him. He converted him. So Paul begins to write about his life and he says, for I am least of the apostles that I am not meet to be called an apostle. In other words, he's saying, man, I'm so low on this apostle totem pole. (laughs) I shouldn't even be called an apostle, but somehow I'm in there. And he said, because I persecuted the church of God. So even he's thinking what I did was worse than what anybody else did. But that ain't no worse than what anybody else did. Sin is sin in God's eyes. But then he says, but let me tell you about God. He said, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. Maybe it was because somebody said, Paul, what do you think you're doing? Preaching, laying hands on people. We know what you did. He said, you're right. I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle. He said, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. It don't matter what you think about it. God's grace is greater than your opinion. It's greater than my opinion. It's greater than my opinion of myself. God's grace is greater. He said, but his grace uh, that was bestowed upon me was not in vain. When God had mercy on me, I labored more abundantly. I went on and lived. I moved on. I started preaching. I started teaching. I started Spreading this gospel. I, I labored more abundantly than they all. But it wasn't me. It was the grace of God which was with me. So there's two takeaways out of this passage that I want you to get. Number one is from the statement by the grace of God I am what I am. Your identity is not defined by your mistake. Your identity is not defined by your failure or your falling. Your identity is defined by the grace of God by the grace of God you and I are who we are doesn't matter what anybody thinks about that it's by his grace now he said I'm the least of the apostles I, you know, he said I'm not worthy well that's the thing it's not about being worthy because we're not worthy and if we're waiting to be worthy we're never going to get to do anything I can do what I do only because of his grace. And that's what Paul was saying. He said, I'm the least of the apostles. He's like, I'm not worthy. He said, but I have been authorized to labor by the authority of God's grace. I know I'm not worthy. And I don't labor and work for the kingdom because I'm worthy. I'm laboring because of the grace of God that lets me get up every morning and do this again. I'm laboring because of the authority of God's grace because God said, I know what you did, but I know what I did. And my grace, where sin did abound, my grace did that much more abound, and I know what I've made of you by my grace. So get to work. Don't worry about what you think of yourself. Don't worry about what nobody else thinks about it, what they remember about your past. Get to work. Paul preached in places where he had drugged people out to prison. And I'm sure when he, and you even read about it, when he first came in, they were afraid. Woo, that's the guy. That's the guy that'll lock you up. Because that's all they knew. Until they saw what God had done. And they heard his preaching. And then they loved him. They, They wept over him and he said I, I'm going up to Jerusalem to die I'm leaving I won't see you anymore they cried on him and, and prayed and begged him not to go they loved Paul because they saw what God had done in his life and Paul went on to say in Philippians chapter 3 you can stand with me right here in Philippians chapter 3 I've read this scripture so much lately it seems like but in verse 12 Paul's talking about himself. He said, it's not as if I had already attained or either already perfect, but I follow after. I'm moving on. I'm still going. If that I may apprehend that for which I also am apprehended of Christ Jesus. I don't count myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, I forget those things that are behind. I reach forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. He said, I'm not perfect. But I don't let my imperfections stop me from reaching for better things. I'm not perfect. But God doesn't want me to stop moving on toward perfection. The Bible says we should move toward perfection. He doesn't want you to stop reaching forth for His goodness and His mercy and His gifts and His callings just because you think, man, I really got an anger problem. I really got a... Addiction. I, you know, I got something going on in my life. It's driving me crazy. I'm praying about. It. I'm trying to get over it. Uh, so I guess until I get it right, I won't do nothing. You'll never do anything because you and I will never get it right. It's never right until it goes through Him first. And so, just because we feel incomplete, just because we feel like I don't have it all together yet, that should not stop you from reaching forward to better things. So, as I close, I ask you this. Talked about David, how he embraced God's mercy and God's grace. But what will we embrace? Falling and failures are real. And they can stop you cold if that's what you embrace. But God's love and mercy is more real. And it'll let you move on if that's what you choose to embrace. So while she's playing and singing, I'm just going to open the altars tonight. Give you a place to come and talk to the Lord. And if you've got something...